All right. Good morning. Welcome to Stony Creek United Methodist Church. This is Pastor Michael. I'm excited for you to be joining us today, whether in person in our drive-in or over the internet on Facebook or hearing us on our phone number. Um, if you are joining us in our drive-in, if I could get a couple car honks just so we know we can hear you, you can hear us okay. All right. Thank you guys so much. Um, a couple of quick announcements before we get to all the fun stuff. Um, I've been uh, having a couple phone conversations uh, with Sue Adamski, um, and I know many of you probably saw the email about Tony, um, but just to, in case you didn't, um, Tony is at the VA hospital uh, with some heart issues that they are working on. Um, if I'm remembering right, they uh, did a cath and I think a stint, um, and so hopefully he will be coming home this week. He'll have to quarantine for a couple days, um, but I know uh, Sue is looking forward to, to getting him back in the house. Um, and then also, um, again, you may have seen the emails from Sue, but if not, Homer Turner um, has been in the hospital also with some heart issues, um, and they this is where I'm getting confused because we have too many people in the hospital with heart issues. They did a stint on him as well, if I'm remembering this right. Um, and that all, that process procedure all went really well. So hopefully he will uh, be able to uh, be back home with Oma uh, soon as well. So please keep them all in your prayers uh, right now. It's obviously hard enough going through all that stuff, but even worse when you can't have family or friends or anyone come and visit you while you're in the hospital. Um, I think that's most of what I have. Oh, and don't forget, Monday, I'm doing my coffee convos on Zoom. The information is up on Facebook. Um, if you, you do not need to have a Facebook account to view our Facebook page. It's open to the world. But if you're having any uh, issues getting to that information, shoot me an email. Um, and I can email you all the connection info if you'd like to just come have coffee hour, as it were, uh, Mondays at 1 o'clock. Um, and then I'm guessing Barb probably has some stuff um, that she wants to share. Isn't it? Good morning. This is Barb. Sorry. Good morning, church. Isn't it great to have Tammy back? Amen. And I saw Jenny Davis yesterday, and she is sending virtual hugs to everybody. She's doing well. Um, so I, she just wanted me to share that and let everyone know how much she misses everyone. The, I think I have most of the Valentines for our project with the Bishop staff. In case you haven't turned yours in yet, you can just drop them off at the table at the front of the church. Um, we'll get them down to Bishop this week. And also, okay, mothers, fathers, grandpas, grandmas, Lent is coming. Ash Wednesday's coming February 17th, which then means that it culminates not only, well, it can culminate in some fun for li little ones, let's say. We're going to do the darn egg hunt this year. I still have the eggs from last year. So <laughs> fortunately, there's never any candy in them. So look forward. We can figure out some way to get the little ones involved and have some fun. And with that. I have one more I just thought of. Okay. You're um, Thank you. Just one quick reminder. Um, Fridays are, are my, my day off, my Sabbath. So if you call me. 
um, please leave a message because I'm not likely to, to answer the phone on Friday, but if you leave me a message and let me know what's going on, if it's an emergency, I will get in touch with you. Um, and if it's not an emergency, I will get in touch with you a little later on. But um, just as a way to respect my family's time and to be good about my self-care so I can be the best pastor for you guys, um, if I don't answer the phone on a Friday, it's not that I'm ignoring you. It's part of me following my self-care stuff. But leave me a message, um, and I will get back to you based on how much of an emergency it might be or when I see you next. So, um, And thank you for your understanding about that. It's one of those things they really hammer on us as pastors about respecting that time so that we're taking care of ourselves so we can then be the best for you guys that we can. All right, let us begin our service this morning with our call to worship. If you can read with us. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make, Make known, known his, his deeds among, among the, the peoples. peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell, Tell of, of all, all his wonderful works. Glory in his holy name. Let the, the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wonderful works he has done. His miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of his servant Abraham. Children of Jacob, his chosen ones. And our first hymn is O for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. Master and my God has his <coughs> 
our opening prayer, if you will join me in reading it. Holy God, we try to fix and fasten you, but you will not be stayed. You are love in motion, always breathing us into being, calling us to serve, sustaining us, us in, in the, the wilderness. wilderness. Come, Come to us as the, as the morning breaks. Soften what has grown dry and brittle in our hearts until we worship with abandon. For we pray in the name of the Son you sent and through the Spirit that gives us life. Amen. Now let us sing, Thine be the glory. If you would please join me in our prayer for illumination. Spirit of life, we do not know how to pray as we ought. Meet us in words written, in words spoken. Intercede for us with sighs too deep for words until we shine with the hope that is hidden in our hearts. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from Joel, chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. God's Spirit poured out. 
Then afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female slaves in those days, I will pour out my spirit. I will show portents in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The Apostle Paul promises that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. We trust that God will bring forth good from that which we offer today. It is our privilege to participate in the unfolding of God's grace in the world. Let us give with grateful and expectant hearts. If you would please join us in our doxology.
Holy One, receive these offerings as you receive our lives. Gather our false starts and uncertain efforts, our generosity and our reluctance. Enliven us with your breath and make your purposes known that our lives might show forth your glory. For we pray in the name of Jesus and by the power of your spirit. Amen. If you would please join me now in an attitude of prayer. Holy God, we come before you this cold winter morning, a thankful people for the many blessings you bestow upon us in our lives. We are thankful for each new day. We are thankful for progress that is made in our medical and healing fields for the people who have received healing and are on the mend. We are thankful for the technology that allows us in many cases to see and connect with those who we are not able to physically be with right now because of this pandemic. And we thank you for the many blessings that we aren't even always fully aware of or we may take for granted. But Lord, you taught us to bring everything to you in prayer, so we also lift you the things that weigh heavily upon us on our hearts and our minds. We lift up all of those who are suffering and in need of healing, whether physically, emotionally, or mentally. We lift up those who are mourning the loss of a loved one, especially during this time when we are not able to really gather the way we normally would to celebrate that person's life. Help those who are mourning to know that there is no right way to mourn. We all do it in our own time, in our own ways, and that you walk beside them and may your spirit offer them comfort. We lift up all of those who are working so diligently to help us be healthy and heal in our suffering. We ask that you continue to watch over and guide the hands and the efforts, and we give thanks for the doctors, the nurses, the surgeons, the research scientists, lab technicians, and so many others who are working to help heal your creation. Lord, we also lift up all of those who work so hard to keep us safe in our world. We give you thanks and ask that you would continue to guide the words and actions in the hearts and minds of all of our servicemen and women serving in the military, our police and firefighters, our first responders, and so many others who sacrifice their time as well, in many cases, their own safety and their lives to help this world be safe. For those that are far away from home and they're serving, we ask that they might be able to return home soon to their families and loved ones, and we could see an end to conflict in this world. We also lift you this day, our nation and every nation in this world, as this world continues to fight against this pandemic, as we continue to try to work through the political unrest in every nation, not just our own. There are still many hurt feelings. There is still a lot of anger and confusion and conspiracy. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to see the truth. Help us to see one another the way you see us as beloved children of God, all worthy of being, of life, of mercy and grace and love. Lord, we turn our lives over to you and ask for your direction, for your love, and your mercy. 
all of these things as well as those we keep quietly in our own hearts and minds. We lift to you this day in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Sisters and brothers, God never forgets God's promises. God's covenant endures in each new generation. We are free to speak the truth about our lives because God's faithfulness embraces us as we examine our hearts. If you would please join me in our prayer of confession. God of mystery, God of life, we imagine that we are capable judges of power and wisdom and goodness. We trust our own standards. We separate and categorize. We mark the performance of others. We fail to trust your power hidden in all things. We fail to watch for you, working out your purposes. Gracious God, hidden and manifest, transform our withered imaginations until we yield the judgments we trust to a love we cannot control. Amen. Please take a few moments for silent prayer and confession. Beloved children of God, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Beloved children, nothing we have done, nothing we will ever do is enough to separate us from the love of God made known in Jesus Christ. I ask that you would in your hearts and in your minds and if you are physically next to someone to turn to your neighbor and share these words of assurance that in Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Share those words with one another every day, every moment you get. Amen. Our affirmation of faith this morning comes from 1 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 5 through 6, chapter 1, 15, chapter 3, 16, and let us read. There is one God, and there is one mediator, Christ Jesus, who came as a ransom for all, to whom we testify. This saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners and was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed in throughout the world, taken up in glory. Great indeed is the mystery of the gospel. Amen. Our next scripture reading is from John chapter 13, verses 16 through 21. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but it is to fulfill the scripture. The one who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I tell you this now before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. 
Very truly, I tell you, whoever receives one whom I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. After saying this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and declared, Very truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now let's join in singing Blessed Assurance. Our third scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 29 through 30. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you'd please join me again in an attitude of prayer. Holy God, we know that we never need doubt your unending and unfailing love. Even before we knew of your love, you already knew us. You have chosen us to be a part of your family, children of God. You chose us, you called us, and you sent your Son to die for us so that we might be made new and free from sin. 
you, as you are always with us, there is nothing we need fear. Now may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts together in this place be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, this week I want to try something a little bit different before we get into Lent, because we're, we're getting close. If you looked at the title in the bulletin for this morning, you might have a little bit of an idea of what I'm planning here. Our denomination was founded on the Methodist movement started by John Wesley. And as such, Wesley preached many sermons over the course of his time working in God's ministry. As a way of not just honoring that history, but also to connect stronger with our Methodist heritage, and as a break from all the pandemic talk, I want to examine one of Wesley's sermons with you this morning. In one of my classes in seminary, I was required to outline 50 of Wesley's sermons to help strengthen my understanding of Wesley's theology and perspective. And as such, I found a few that really stuck with me. In this process, I plan to tell you about what Wesley said and wrote, how it fits in with our claimed beliefs, uh, how it applies in our world today still, and of course, continue to tie it back into Scripture. I think these messages will be enlightening to more of what our denomination was founded on in regards to theology and faith, uh, faith and my hope is to kind of sprinkle them in throughout the year um, in between our regular sermon series and other lectionary texts. So today, for our What Would Wesley Say sermon, I chose a sermon titled On Predestination. But before we get too far in, I want to better define predestination in theological terms, because it is not one that everyone is necessarily familiar with. Predestination is the doctrine that all of the events in our world have been willed by God, usually referring to the faith that we come to after death. Another way of saying this is that predestination means that God has already decided who is going to be saved and go to heaven and who will not be saved and will be doomed to hell or uh, eternal damnation. Predestination is based on the idea that it doesn't matter what an individual does or believes or claims in this life. God has already decided what's going to happen regardless of our actions. Predestination is usually associated with the teachings of St. Augustine of Hippo and of Calvin, the latter of whom's followers are known as Calvinists. What is important to know before we dive in too far is that in the very early days of the Methodist movement, Wesley's position on predestination became something of a hot-button topic. You see, his close friend and partner working in ministry was a man named George Whitefield, and he was a very, very staunch Calvinist. That means that Whitefield believed that salvation was only available to those who God had already chosen. Wesley, on the other hand, believed that God's gift of salvation was available to all people, but also that people can reject God's gift of salvation. So with all that background in mind, 
and having that information in hand, I'd like to give you a quick overview of Wesley's sermon. He starts by talking about how the things that Paul talks about are through the wisdom given to him by Jesus and by God. But he also states that some of the things that Paul says can be hard to understand and that Peter addresses some of those things in Romans. But even still, Wesley points out that not just the unlearned people, but also those who are the most learned and well-established in the truths of the gospel, continue to wrestle with these passages, so much so, as Wesley says, to their own destruction. So in regard to the passage that I read earlier from Romans, Wesley says that what is being described here is not a chain of causes and effects, but rather it is showing the method in which God works. To be more specific, Wesley says that it shows the order in which the several branches of salvation constantly follow each other. He then goes on to describe what he calls the whole works of God in the salvation of man. Now this includes God having the foreknowledge from the beginning of the world who would come to faith and who would not. But here he is careful to point out that this uh, foreknowledge is focusing on the manner of humanity. Wesley continues to explain that God has this foreknowledge because God sees all time at once. He furthers the idea that just because God has knowledge of something does not mean that God is necessarily causing that thing to happen. He equates this with the idea that he knows that the sun shines, but it doesn't shine because of the fact that Wesley knows it will shine. It shines because it shines. Wesley's knowledge of the sun shining doesn't change anything. And this is important because he points out that even though God knows who will come to faith and who will not, humanity still has free will, including in their choice of believing or not. God just happens to know what will happen because God does not see time the way that you or I do in terms of how it passes, but rather God can see the entire spectrum of time all at once, past, present, and future, which is kind of cool in a way. This idea of free will is especially important to Wesley's arguments about predestination because he points out that without free will, we couldn't be held accountable for what we think, what we do, or what we say. If we didn't have free will, we would not be capable of rewards or punishments, of being morally good or bad, of, of having any accountability. And if humanity can't be held accountable for any of its actions, well, then things get kind of problematic. But we'll come back to that in a moment. Wesley, in his sermon, then goes on to explain God's salvation for all who believe in him and in Jesus Christ. He reminds us that God knows all believers. God wills that they should be saved from sin. God justifies them, sanctifies them, and takes them on to glory. Now, in his sermon, 
Wesley doesn't exactly address some of the problematic things with the idea of predestination. He does point out that even though God has the foreknowledge of who will become believers and who will not, it is not God who chooses who will become a believer and who will not. That still falls on humanity. God has this knowledge, again, because God sees all time at once. So God knows everything that has happened that is happening and that will happen. Now, if we go back to our scripture reading again from Romans, I think I can see how someone might get the idea of predestination. After all, it does say in verse 29, and he decided in advance that they would be conformed to the image of his son. But this passage tells us much more about salvation. It talks about God knowing us in advance, just like Wesley mentioned about God seeing all time at once. And it talks about God calling humanity. Let's take a step over to the side, though, and get back to some of the problematic parts of predestination. If we look at the five-point Calvinism view of predestination, it tells us that Christ's death was only enough to atone for the sins of a select few people. Well, right there we have a problem in that we know what we read in John chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. It doesn't say that so a few people will be saved, but everyone who believes. It doesn't say that only a select group could be saved by Jesus, but that the world might be saved through him. And if we really believe those words, then how could just a select few people be saved by Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection? Does not, or doesn't this tell us right here that everyone who believes will be saved and that it is God's intention to save the world through Jesus? But there's another problematic reality with the concept of predestination. And it's a really big one in my mind. Predestination makes it out that only a select group of people will be saved. And that means that even if you are a believer but you are not a part of that select group, you will not be saved. It also makes it out, depending on how you understand it, that in reality, then, humanity doesn't have free will. Now, I talked about that a few moments ago. If we don't have free will, that means that we can't be held accountable for what we think, what we say, what we do. We can't be held accountable at any level which means we cannot be held accountable for our sins. And that's where another problem occurs. Because if we can't be held accountable for our sins, then what did Jesus die for? If we don't have free will, if God has ordained everything that will happen and everything that we will do, then what do we need to be saved from? We can't be punished for something we had no control over, and we are basically forced to do. And if that's true, then Jesus died for nothing. And that might be the saddest thing that we could possibly imagine. 
Jesus suffering, dying, and resurrecting, and it means nothing. It holds no bearing whatsoever on anything. If we don't have free will, and there is just a set group of people who will be saved regardless of their belief or not, because if we do not have free will, we cannot choose to believe, then what are we doing here right now? What is the purpose of our existence? What is the meaning of worship, of prayer, and what is the meaning of love? In another of his sermons, Wesley essentially says that the idea of the sacrifice of Jesus being meaningless is one of the most depressing things he can imagine. And I got to be honest, I completely agree with him on that. If we don't have free will, then there's really no sin. Or at the very least, we can't be held accountable for it because we didn't choose to do it. Which then means that God made us commit a sin. And let's be honest, that makes even less sense. Now, I will admit that while I believe that those who claim a faith in God and grow in their faith will be saved, I don't think it ends there. I claim a faith in a loving God and in a God that wants to be in relationship with us. I believe that God reaches out to us in every way that God can reach out to us to help us to come to faith. And even in our final moments when we stand in judgment, I believe that even then God will give us an opportunity to come to faith and accept salvation. And I believe that because I believe in a God of love. A God that sent his only son to suffer and die for the sins of the world so that the world might be saved from eternal death and suffering. And people, the reality is that we have free will. Yes, there may be moments in our lives where we step back and think, why did I do that? I walk into rooms and sometimes wonder, why did I come in here? But we have free will. We have the ability to choose between right and wrong, between love and hate. God has blessed us with his love and mercy and grace. We have the ability to choose to accept those gifts or reject them. Because if we didn't, well, for me, the alternative is unthinkable. I just cannot accept that Jesus died for nothing. The idea of predestination limits God's power. It limits God's grace. And most importantly, it limits God's love. And at least for me, God is all-powerful and is a God of love. I hope that you know God in this way too, and that for each of you, Jesus' death was not in vain. Amen. If you would please turn to your inserts uh, as we prepare to celebrate Holy Communion. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. 
You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through the prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to announce the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the, be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now the confidence of children of God, let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The bread which we break is the sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. In the United Methodist Church, we practice open communion. And what that means is that this altar, this holy table, doesn't belong to me, to this church, to our denomination. It belongs to Jesus Christ and he alone. And he has invited everyone to come and partake. It doesn't matter your age, your race, your ethnicity, your sexual orientation, I think those boxes that we always try and cram people into and further divide ourselves with, he doesn't see any of that. He sees us all as beloved children of God, and he has welcomed everyone. All that he asks is that you come with an open heart. This morning, as we continue uh, in our social distancing with our communion, 
I invite you uh, to prepare to receive the elements. You can do this two ways. Um, you can take your bread and dip it in your juice and receive the elements together, which is what we call intinction. Um, or you can take the elements separately. You can take the bread and then drink the juice. They are both legitimate. Neither one is better than the other. It's all the same in the end. So I invite you now to join us all together as we receive these elements, the body and blood of Christ given for you. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We will close our service this morning with hymn number 399, Take My Life and Let It Be. Beloved children of God, go as seed and yeast, willing to lose your life for the larger purpose of God. Go as fisher folk and treasure seekers, pouring out your days in search of hidden grace. May God, who searches the heart, Jesus, whose love overcomes all division, and the Spirit, which helps us in our weakness, continue to lead you into life that you may serve with abandon and joy. Amen. Thank you.
Have a blessed week.